You're listening to Reach MD, the channel for medical professionals. Hi, this is Dr. Ann Goldberg, president of the National Lipid Association, and I'd like to welcome you to Lipid Luminations, hosted by Dr. Larry Caskell, presented by the National Lipid Association. Hi, I'm Dr. Larry Caskell, and I'm coming to you from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, at the Northeast Lipid Association meetings. Sitting here with Michael Davidson, who is the clinical professor and director of preventive cardiology at the University of Chicago. He is also the executive medical director of Radiant Research in Chicago and president of the Midwest Lipid Association. I'm going to ask him a few questions about new drugs and what he's excited about. Dr. Davidson, what are your current titles? I'm clinical professor, director of preventive cardiology at the University of Chicago Pritzker School of Medicine. And CEO and founder of Radiant, Radiant Research. Research. Yes. And king of all <laughs> lipids and fish oil. Yes. <laughs> you've, you've been very good for human health, but not so good for the fish. <laughs> Is that correct? That's correct, yes. I like the fish too. So. I'm with Dr. Davidson at the Northeast Lipid Association meetings in Philadelphia and thought I would pick his brain a little bit about what he is most excited about in lipidology these days. I'd like to say on a personal note that I became a lipidologist because of my association with Dr. Davidson and this show, Lipid Luminations, would not exist if it were not for Dr. Davidson. So he has touched my life and is touching thousands of doctors' lives who, who get to tune in. May I call you Michael today? Sure, sure, sure. Michael, what are you most excited about as you were excited 20 years ago about fish oil for triglycerides? What is currently getting you that excitement again? Thanks, Larry, for the, the comments. I think that the next era that we're going forward with and I'm most excited about is the, the combination therapy world and recognizing that statins are fantastic drugs that made a huge difference in the reduction of cardiovascular disease. However, there still are patients, despite statin therapy, that remain at high residual risk. And therefore, drugs that affect triglycerides and HDL, or drugs that further lower LDL, in combination with the statin, are where things are going in the future. Let's talk about risk. Drug companies like talking about relative risk reduction. Mm -hmm. Those are always big, impressive numbers. Absolute risk reductions are always much smaller. So in terms of residual risk, there's an enormous number available to treat. As far as I understand it, the statins have done a great job, but in terms of absolute risk reductions in in many of the trials, it's it's 1% to 2% in terms of events. So we have a 98% potential risk reduction left. So I think that brings up the oldies but goodies. What's, what's old is now good again, or what's old is new. And I think you're referring to the combinations of, of statins and niacin. Your point is a good one, and that is that we look at two ways. You reduce the risk from 10% to 7% or a 30% reduction, an absolute risk reduction of 3%. Those are impressive, but 7% are still having events, or 70% are still having events, depending on how you define absolute right. and relative risk. So these are important because we're also talking about short-term, five-year studies as opposed to lifetime of risk and risk reduction. The point about the statin trials, which I think is becoming increasingly clear, is that if you're on a statin and you don't have diabetes, hypertension, smoke cigarettes, low HDL or high triglycerides, you do actually quite well 
with an LDL between 70 and 100. In the, in the TNT trial, if you did not have any of the five metabolic syndrome parameters, you, you did well on 10 of atorvastatin as well as you did on 80 milligrams of atorvastatin. So but the problem is, is that who's having events on statins? It's when they have that residual risk due to other lipid abnormalities or other risk factors. So niacin, I think, has been resurrected as an um, add-on to statins because it, it can positively influence HDL and triglycerides, LP little a, and has, has outcome benefits in its own right. So I think that niacin is probably going to be evolving to our most acceptable add-on to statins to, to target the HDL triglyceride access. Zetamide, I still think, has value for lowering LDL further as is biosequesterance, but for triglyceride, HDL affects niacin, and then if triglycerides are really high, phenofibrate to add on to a statin. So we we got two new drugs coming out in the next few months, one by Abbott, one by Merck. The one by Abbott is a combination. The one by Merck is also a combination, but it's just it's niacin and some sort of prostaglandin inhibitor. What's what's the what's the name of that? Liropoprant. Do we know any of the potential off-target effects of that prostaglandin inhibitor that we may learn later instead of right now? Uh, it's uh, is it clean? Uh, well, I'll say based on the 5,000 or patients studied, it, it looks clean. And I think that when it comes down to physicians making that decision about whether to use lopoprant with niacin or to go with the niaspan or Simcor, which is the new simvastatin niacin combination, is really a clinical judgment call. And I, and I, I think that after discussing with the patient the, the various pros and cons and uh, letting them help make the decision for me is probably a, a good way to go. Like, and a, a lot of people have tried niacin already, couldn't tolerate it, and that's someone that obviously you want to maybe try the uh, lopoprant niacin combination or called cordaptive. So those are, those are how I would look at it. I think that, that it's great to have a simvastatin niacin combination because generic simvastatin is now 30 40% growing of the marketplace, and a lot of these people have residual issues with low HDL, high triglycerides, where adding on niacin in one pill can be quite appealing. And then adding on niacin to other statins, where you discuss with them the potential side effects, and flushing is a, is a non-starter for them, and they, they, they want to avoid that if all possible, then Cordaptive becomes a, a nice option for them. Have you done any of the studies with Cordaptive? Yes. So what kind of flush rates have you seen? The studies show that the real answer is that discontinuation rate from flushing, which I think is the most important number, is reduced from 20% to 10% with Cordaptive. So cut in half the discontinuation rate from flushing. That's the number you think you want to look at the most. Okay. And so... What, what have you seen in terms of flushing compared to niospan? Is it, is it remarkably different or just a little better? I think it's about 80% better. But the problem is, you know, still people flush. It's not, it doesn't completely erase the flushing. And for some people, any flushing is, is still an issue and they're, and they're going to stop. So I, a lot of it is the degree of tolerability the person has for flushing the other thing that we have to keep in mind that niacin has other issues, increasing uric acid, increasing blood glucose. Although now we see it's not such a big deal to have a higher glucose than yeah. we thought. <laughs> so that may not be such a big trial. issue. I'm not saying there are other things, but even in those settings, I think niacin has, has some proven outcome benefits. So I think that it's all going to be a... That's why we, physicians, lipidologists, I, 
based on our experience and our relationship with the patient, I think can make the right choice for what, what's best for them. Tell the audience a little bit about the HATS trial, because I think that too will be resurrected. And as far as I'm concerned, I've never seen a trial that has such dramatic results in terms of both regression and uh, decrease in events. Yes, it was quite amazing that, although a small trial, right. so that's the only thing. We always, it's a small trial, but showed this marked reduction in events if they took niacin, simvastatin combination without the antioxidant arm. Small trial, very interesting. Is it definitive? No, but the AIM High trial is underway now in which they're comparing a high dose statin to a lower dose statin, simvastatin, with niacin, Simcor basically looking at outcome effects. So the LDL lowering is going to be equivalent between the two arms of the trial. When do you anticipate AIM High being finished? 2011, I think. How many, how many people are in it? Like 3,000. So I'm a little bit worried about the size of that study, too, but it, but it should work out. I hope so. I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing those results. Besides niacin, what other, what other products that are truly new and revolutionary are you excited about? I mean, there's this field that you talk about of translational medicine, which all I think of when I hear that is just being in Japan and not being able to communicate <laughs> in the movie with, with Bill Murray. And Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. Right. It's a great movie. So I would say that the HDL story is in the process of being reevaluated, and you know, I think what's exciting there, without going into too much detail, is that we're learning new methodologies to assess HDL effects preclinically or in early human trials to, to do a di- better job evaluating if the HDL is going up, is it going up for the right reason? And that means better reverse cholesterol transport. Right. I mean, just just having more HDL, we know, is not enough. It's not enough, at least not based on tricetropib, but there are two other CTP inhibitors, anisetropib, which Merck is developing, and Roche is also developing a, a less potent CTP inhibitor. Anisetropib, Merck's compound is more potent, no, no blood pressure issue, the cross in their fingers. What can we do now in general practice to assess the function of our patient's HDL? I know there are tests that exist, but can I, can I order those? Can I go to LabCorp and say, I want to do an HDL function on uh, monocyte chemotaxis and uh, adhesion molecules? No, you cannot do that. There is one, one interesting study that I think is quite valuable, and that is a study done in Norfolk and ideal combined the data together. They found something very, just published in Jack. they found something very interesting. That is that HDL is protective as long as ApoA1 is also elevated. So ApoA1 is the protein carrier of HDL. So what happens is if ApoA1 is not that high, and mm-hmm. HDL is actually high, and you have a HDL-ApoA1 ratio that's increased, which is mean more cholesterol for every ApoA1 molecule, they, they do not seem to have protection. So I think if you want to look at somebody who has a very high HDL and you're worried, is it the right HDL? Mm-hmm. You may want to measure ApoA1. And if ApoA1 is not as high as, ex- as you expect it to be, then you might have somebody that, that may not have the right functioning HDL. That's one thing to think about. So what do we do then to, to raise their ApoA? Will things that raise HDL also raise ApoA? Generally, yes. This situation is hard to know what exactly to do about it. But just got a call the other day from a doctor in Detroit who had a 38-year-old woman who had no other risk factors but had severe atherosclerosis with an HDL of 100. And her daughter has an HDL of 100 also. So you said check an ApoA. Yeah, so we're going to 
we're going to take a look at and see whether she has you know, some dysfunctional HDL. All right, so if we raise ApoA1 by traditional methods, we can do that right now. Yes. There are also some drugs in development that are uh, ApoA1 mimetic yes. peptides, and how do those look? Those are interesting. I, I think they're a long way from clinical use. They're not generally very absorbable, and so they're hard to measure the effect. And there are, unfortunately, I think the ABO1 Milano story is difficult because of problems with manufacturing and costs and so forth. I don't know if that'll make it. I'd like to thank my guest, Dr. Michael Davidson from the University of Chicago, for sitting down with me at the Northeast Lipid Association meetings and sharing some of his insights about novel treatments for atherosclerosis. Thank you for listening to Lipid Luminations, presented by the National Lipid Association. For more information, please visit www.lipid.org. Reach MD, the channel for medical professionals.